I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. So excited to share with you one of the most popular expert interviews we have inside the Sterling Parents membership. Now, for those of you who don't know, Sterling Parents is my membership that supports you through trying to conceive pregnancy and beyond with trusted answers, expert advice, and heartfelt support for the physical and emotional journey of pregnancy so you can focus on nourishing your baby, yourself, and your family. Now, inside the membership, we have tons of expert interviews. And in this episode of Becoming Moms, I'm sharing a piece of the interview I did with Dr. Sarah Oreck, a reproductive psychiatrist all about the treatment of anxiety and depression in pregnancy. We discuss the risks and benefits of the most common medications and the different factors to consider when deciding how to treat anxiety and depression in pregnancy. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Calm Confident parents. We have a very, very special guest today, Dr. Sarah Oreck. She is a board certified Columbia trained reproductive psychiatrist. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Dr. Oreck. I'm so excited to be here. So can you tell us what is a reproductive psychiatrist? Sure. So a reproductive psychiatrist is an area of psychiatry that's relatively new. It's been sort of something that's happened in the last 30 years, let's say, focused on the hormonal changes that women experience throughout their life cycle. This includes from the time that they first menstruate until the end of menopause. And what we realize is that people who have these reproductive changes experience very different things. And I'm gonna say women, but it's really someone born a woman, um, even if they don't identify female. Um, But really, we sort of used to apply everything that we applied to men to women. And in fact, you know, pregnancy, delivery, menopause, menstruating really affects us in a lot of different ways. And we're starting to just realize now that one size does not fit all. Oh, definitely. And I love that. And I, you know, when you think about the fact that we, as, as those of us who identify as female, who, you know, have, um, female hormones, we've been kind of led to believe that, that's like being hormonal is bad, right? Like that the goal should be to be like men and to not have. So it's a very, um, it's a very cool area that, you know, is growing and exploring. And Uh, on that note, right, it's not to pathologize our hormones, but it is to sort of highlight that they do do different things to us in terms of our brain, mood, anxiety, et cetera. Yeah. And the, you know, we talk, you know, we talk about this all the time in terms of like, okay, you know, how you feel during certain parts of your cycle and whatever. And I think that there's this idea that if you are feeling more emotional when you're pregnant or more emotional when you're postpartum, that be, that it's somehow not 
a valid experience because it's being impacted by hormones, which is mm -hmm. just, you know, it's just not the case, right? But that's kind of the mess, that underlying messages that we've been told that, um, that it shouldn't impact us. But of course it does. Right, right, absolutely. Okay, so today we're gonna talk about really mental wellness throughout the reproductive journey and specifically um, anxiety and depression. So what I wanna know is when you have a patient who comes to you, um, they want to get pregnant, but they're worried about going off their medications that they take for their mental wellness. What do you tell them? So I first open up um, that this is a very difficult decision. It's an incredibly personal decision and that it should be made with a medical provider that you trust and who knows you and your history. Um, but I think it's important to talk about the fact that there are risks of untreated mental illness or mental health issues during pregnancy and the postpartum. And it's not, not just the risk of the medication that we're weighing. So right. for most discussions, we talk about risk benefit and it's still a risk benefit discussion. But here I like to say it's actually a risk risk discussion because you not taking anything actually puts you at risk and your unborn child at risk, and we can talk about some of those, as does exposure to medication, even though we have some medications that we feel increasingly comfortable with and have a lot of great safety data about. Okay, so talk to me about the, the, the risks of untreated depression and or anxiety in pregnancy. Sure, so that is a growing body of literature that we still, it's still not super conclusive. And so I wanna say that these are sort of the beginnings that we're starting to see, as you can imagine, they're very hard studies to, to do because someone with untreated depression, we of course wanna treat, right. um, or there might be comorbid issues like substance use and people who are depressed and have untreated depression or mental illness are more likely to have substance use during their pregnancy, um, to do sort of engage in more unhealthy behaviors, maybe smoking cigarettes, which of course impact pregnancy, as well as not getting the perinatal care that other people would if they're really doing well. Um, so those are some of the confounders we have. But we do know that sometimes it is implicated in preterm delivery, in small for gestational size. And I think what concerns people most than, than even that is what might happen to that child later on. And right. independent of the genetic risk, so we know that parents who have anxiety or depression, there is a genetic link um, with their children having uh, depression or anxiety, that even with that aside, having anxiety or depression in utero and having your baby exposed to that can lead to some developmental issues later on. So some attentional and ADHD uh, issues in the child has been linked as well as some mood issues. And so we are concerned about what happens to the baby, but I think what's really important here is that mom's wellness and the parent's wellness is so important and cannot be ignored. I think it's too common that we wanna be either martyrs and sort of say, I'll, I'll be fine if I have to deal with this anxiety or depression, but I wanna protect my baby at all costs when in fact that doesn't protect your baby. Yeah, so what I hear you saying is that if you have anxiety or depression, there is no risk-free way through pregnancy. You, you no. either are going to incur the risks from untreated depression or anxiety, or it's the, the risks of medication. 
And I, oh, I want to be clear, there's also some other modalities we use to treat depression right. and anxiety when we talk about this. So there's really wonderful psychotherapy, support systems, um, some lifestyle changes, healthful diets, exercise. So those can all be components of what can be helpful. And medications are just one of these tools that helps. But I often have people who come to me on medications, right, and say, this has right. been what's you know, stabilize me for so many years. I do yoga, I do all these other things. I have a therapist, but my medications really help me. This is what the discussion is. Um, and, you know, the other thing I was gonna say is that we talked about some of the risks we're starting to understand. Um, then it's like not doing the prenatal care that we would if we are depressed or anxious. And then the other thing I wanna just talk about is a lot of parents when they're pregnant work so sometimes work can be disrupted. Your relationship with your partner, if you have a partner, can be disrupted. And when you have all that chaos right before a baby's gonna come, that can really spell for me a disaster in the postpartum. Yeah, so what I hear you saying is really taking, when you're making this decision, it's, it's taking a look at the entire picture. And not, exactly. just, and not just a list of risks in this column and a list of risks in this column. Exactly. That's why it's such an individualized decision. And we can start this conversation. And I love for people to get educated on some of the points. Um, but I think it applies differently to different people. Like a, a, a just a simple example is if I have a patient who's had severe depression throughout her life, has had a hospitalization for a suicide attempt, let's say, right. and then is on a medication, I am more likely to say we need to continue with your intensive therapy and your medication for that person than let's say another person who says i've had kind of mild anxiety in, right. in college i was put on an ssri i've been on it for 10 years but like i don't really feel that much or i don't feel a difference right. then that person would be a different risk analysis than the one who's been hospitalized and again these are two extremes most people are somewhere in the middle Exactly. And, you know, something that I, I want to pull out from what you're saying is really the importance of having a care provider, whether it's a psychiatrist, a maternal fetal medicine specialist, an OBGYN, who is comfortable having this nuanced, complex discussion and holding that space with you. Um, because if you are, you know, if you, if you, <laughs> if you have um, anxiety or depression or OCD or any mental illness mm -hmm. and you go to a provider and they just give you a blanket no, that is a big, big red flag. So I want all of you to see how Dr. Oreck is talking about this. She's talking about the different situations and the nuances and getting a full picture. You can tell that she wants to get a full picture of what's going on with her patient before she makes a recommendation or walks them through this, the decision. That's what everybody deserves when they're trying to make this decision. Um, and sometimes it's not so easy to find providers um, who are willing to have that discussion, but um, not just, it's not not willing, it's that are not educated or not aware. Yeah, don't have the knowledge base. I think that's, base. yeah, I think that's spot on. You know, like we were talking about earlier, different trainings are so varied throughout the country, throughout the world. You happen to get some exposure to some things you don't based on maybe your patient population, right? There's some people in OB that never see a psychotic patient in their life who's yeah. pregnant and delivering, but you know, others yeah. do. And so I do think that colors it. And I, and I just think that there's so much variety in training and sort of lack of education, unfortunately, in terms of mental health 
um, issues. And I want to say there are very few medications that are completely contraindicated, which means you cannot take during pregnancy. So that's to be very clear. And there are some mood stabilizers that even sometimes a patient is on and we have to sort of navigate that. But there is no medication that is an absolute no. you know, valproic acid is one where, where, you know, we'll probably agree that that's not the best for any reproductive age person to be on because of the risks, but there are very few that are completely off limits. Yes. It's always a risk benefit discussion. Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. Let's pause here because I want to share a free resource with you. If you are pregnant or trying to conceive, you probably want to make sure you're doing everything right. And of course you do. It's your baby and you care deeply. Problem is there's so much information and opinion about what you should and shouldn't do. And many find themselves overwhelmed trying to sort through all the information. Information overwhelm is real and adds a lot of unnecessary and unhealthy stress to your pregnancy. Is this sounding familiar to you? I know how important it is to you to get everything right in pregnancy. This is why I created a completely free class to help you reduce stress and optimize your wellness in pregnancy. It's called Four Ways to Make Your Pregnancy Easier and Healthier. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to reserve your free seat and be sure to show up to the live session because I'm sharing my beloved pregnancy sleep guide and we have a chance to enter our raffle. Don't miss this free class. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com. All right, lovelies, let's dive back into the episode. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the most commonly prescribed psychiatric medications, SSRIs. Are SSRIs safe in pregnancy? Yes, so that's uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors for people that don't know, and they actually have the biggest body of safety data than any other medication. I think what people don't realize or that we should inform people about is that there aren't great robust studies about all sorts of medications in pregnancy. This is your diabetes medication, your hypertensive medications. Um, And that's because we're the ethical issues around having a fetus not not consenting to a trial, the randomized control trials, which is our standard of care and our standard for clinical trials is just not sort of ethically possible uh, with pregnancy. I'm hoping that there will be changes to that. I think that's gonna be a big issue that's coming up with COVID-19 vaccines. Um, But what we have are retrospective studies and we have the largest amount, this is in the hundreds of thousands that together is sort of millions of patients um, from uh, the Scandinavian countries that of course keep wonderful records and have socialized medicine, um, as well as some of our like own medical Medicare or Medicare, Medicaid um, databases that are actually quite large in the hundreds of thousands. And so what we've seen from all of that makes us, makes it very reassuring uh, to prescribe some of the most popular SSRIs. And I do this quite frequently. Again, it's very nuanced and different for each patient. I always like a multi uh, sort of multimodal approach where you have therapy in place, support systems. We know things are sort of going well in the household, um, in addition to maybe medications if it's needed. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I mean, I think again, we, we bring it back to the fact that, um, there there's, there's going to be 
when you're on a SSRI, an antidepressant in pregnancy, it's not that they're, when we say safe, it's not that we say that it's, that there are no, no risk, but that the risks are, are small and um, comparable to somebody with untreated um, anxiety or depression, but there's the added benefit of the actual pregnant person um, yes. being treated for their chronic right. medical condition. Um, yeah. Okay. And I want to be very clear. This is not like, oh, you're a little distressed during your first trimester. Let's throw an SSRI. This is something to sort of think about, add on to your history, figure out. And if you are feeling mood fluctuations during pregnancy and it's the first time you've ever felt anything like this, I would say go, if you can, to a specialist in perinatal mental health, maybe get an assessment and start therapy. And then if things still aren't going well, you can add something like this on, um, right. of course, discussing it with your physician. If you want, we can go through some of the risks of the SSRIs that we know. I don't know if we have time yeah, for that. I would, I would love to do that. I think that would be really beneficial. Yeah. And I, this is sort of the, the talk that I have with a lot of my patients. So this can save you some time, especially because I know a lot of OBs that even are comfortable prescribing don't have the time to sit and sort of talk about all of these issues. Right. Um, so this is a nice primer to have. So with the SSRIs, the first thing is that they don't have, we don't see any signal of congenital defects. That's right. what people are most concerned about, especially during the first trimester when we have all the developing of the organs, but the brain develops throughout the entire pregnancy. Um, and so that is very reassuring. I always remind people that there's a two to 4% uh, rate of genital defects in the entire population. So this is someone who has never taken a single medication, still has a risk. And a right. lot of people don't necessarily know that. Um, and so that is very reassuring. There was some evidence with Paxil, and that's one type of SSRI that isn't actually very commonly used, also called paroxetine. Right. It has some sort of side effects that make people really tired and gain weight. And so it's not one of the ones we like to use. That had a connection with congenital heart defect, but in more recent data, we actually haven't found that. And I feel now a little bit more comfortable if that's the medication someone has been on in the past to stay on it. Another big principle in reproductive psychiatry before I go to some of the risks is that we yeah. like to limit if you are on medications as few as possible because right. we have more information about single uh, drug interactions and side right. effects. Yeah. So then when someone's on a cocktail of five, there's more unknowns. Right. Um, in addition to uh, treating at the lowest dose, but at the effective dose. Yes. So I see way too much people saying, oh, you're pregnant, let's cut the dose in half. And yeah. then you have potentially an exposure to illness yeah. yes. and to the medication, yes. worst case scenario. Um, pregnant people usually need higher doses, especially in the third trimester when they increase in blood volume. And yeah. so if someone is telling you to sort of cut back for no reason, even though a dose works for you, like question that, that's another totally. red flag. Totally love that. Okay. Um, and at some point, so in the first trimester, another concern is miscarriage or pregnancy loss. And we thought that we saw a signal with SSRIs in terms of pregnancy loss, but when we actually dug into that literature, we saw that it was probably untreated depression. And yeah. people with untreated depression also have higher risk of pregnancy loss. And it doesn't sort of come out to be any more significant. Actually, you know, also the general population, it's not, it's pretty high yeah. uh, in terms of people, especially that are 35 years and older. And so uh, 
pregnancy loss is quite complicated, usually has to do with sort of a genetic issue and not because of external uh, issues or, or sort of taking a medication. So that you, we feel a little bit more comfortable with in terms of the first trimester. Then we move on to the second and third trimester. There used to be something, uh, PPHN, uh, persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn. Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw any of those cases. Yeah. That's sort of in, in the psychiatric medication uh, lore. And basically this was a concern with two studies saying that, oh my God, SSRIs cause this. It basically means that the baby doesn't sort of change the vasculature when they're born. It can result in NICU stays um, and it is serious. I just wanna warn you though, that this was actually reversed, this connection between SSRIs and PPHN. So sometimes I don't even mention it, but sometimes the Google search brings it up and it is scary. Yeah. So I just wanna be clear. Um, so the FDA put a warning on SSRIs uh, because this is a serious respiratory issue that that happened to the, the fetus and their, uh, the baby and they were concerned that it was connected to SSRIs. When we actually look back at the literature, there's more of a connection with C-sections okay. um, and not with SSRIs. And that and the FDA actually reversed those those warnings on the medications and that's not no longer there. <laughs> I know, I know, it does not. So this is this means a lot and yeah. no study after that has been able to replicate these results. So that's not not something I'm so concerned about. Right. Um, and so then the thing that does happen, neonatal adaptation syndrome. Um, right. So this is something uh, parents are very concerned about when the baby is born. And uh, this happens in the general population, which people don't know, like about five to 10%, but with SSRI use, it can increase up to 30%. And this just means that baby is a little bit fussy after being born, uh, maybe having a little bit of difficult time settling down, but like what baby isn't, um, <laughs> you know, that I think the trauma of going from the womb to outside the womb is probably the biggest trauma we ever experience as human yeah. beings. Yeah. Um, and so again, neonatal adaptation syndrome does not require a NICU stay. The pediatricians know how, what to do and know how to handle it. I do hear anecdotally that babies don't cry as soon for moms that sometimes take SSRIs, which can be concerning. But if you know that that's going to happen, you know, just a little bit of patience and baby comes around. Also babies that are breastfed, if mom is taking an SSRI, can sort of get out of this neonatal adaptation syndrome a little bit quicker. And there's no reason to stop the medication in the third trimester, which used to be something people did to yeah. avoid yeah. neonatal adaptation syndrome. Even people who have been exposed in the first trimester have an increased risk. Right. Um, and in fact, what it does is it destabilizes uh, the birthing parent right before <laughs> the postpartum, which yeah. is a terrible idea. I mean, yeah, when you, if you have ever seen, a, I mean, I know you have, but in general, the, the drop, the hormone drop that occurs postpartum is just unlike any other in our unlike life. Unlike any other, it takes your breath away. The idea of taking someone off their, their medications right before that um, not a and, good idea. And, and we know the data is very clear that in terms from po a postpartum perspective, that um, parents with depression or anxiety, that the, those babies can have issues as well in terms of their, their cognitive development. So again, we're not in a situation where it's it, that either one is risk free. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and we haven't even talked about the postpartum, but if you are you know, well stabilized on a medication and you stop it, you know, attachment during those first couple months with baby is so essential. Yeah. And when you have a mom who's not able to engage with her baby is irritated by her baby, right? Those are really challenging things to overcome when this yeah. time is so important in your baby's 
emotional development as well as intellectual development. All right. That's all we have for time today. If you want to help support your emotional wellness in pregnancy, don't forget to grab my free pregnancy self-care bundle at thesterlinglife.com slash pregnancy self-care. For members of Sterling Parents, head over to the member site, sterlingparents.com, to hear the final 15 minutes of this interview where Dr. Sarah Oreck discusses risk factors for autism, the preferred anti-anxiety and antidepressant for pregnancy and postpartum, best practices for stopping antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, non-medication treatments for mental health issues, including supplements, diet, mindfulness, all the goodies. And finally, advice for people who have a history of postpartum depression and or anxiety thinking about getting pregnant again. All right, y'all, until next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you are serious about optimizing the wellness of your pregnancy, then you definitely need to get your hands on my free guide, Self-Care Rituals for Pregnancy. This guide is filled with my favorite stress busters and wellness boosters for pregnancy. And along with the guide, I'm going to send you a short email series with my favorite tips for optimizing your pregnancy wellness. To get your hands on this free guide, head over to the Sterling Life com slash pregnancy self-care. All right, lovelies, until next time.